Yes. Because a lot of a lot of the shit that I went through was, you know, most most of it was based on my own the the my own thoughts of myself, my own uh a judgment of myself, my own self-worth. It wasn't even so much the outside stuff that was happening. It was how I reacted to it and how I responded or I didn't respond. I reacted to it. Yeah. Um, I think that's important to know that when you get these feelings, don't judge yourself. Don't beat mm -hmm. yourself up. It's okay. We all get this. Even, yeah. even the most, you know, even the Dalai Lama gets this stuff. What we do with it. You were going to say something, baby? I was just going to say surrendering is a big part of allowing yourself to heal. Hey, loved ones. Welcome to Naked Conversations, a space for you and I to meditate, strategize, and dream of the tools needed to transform into radical selves. I'm your host, Martisa Williams, free being, radical wayshore, and liberation doula. My purpose is to support the collective on our journey to deeper joy, sweeter justice, and fulfilling presence. So are you ready to step into your most liberated life yet? Let's get to it. Over the past year, it has become abundantly clear that our world and our communities are in desperate need of some healing. Between the state-sanctioned murders of dozens of black and brown folks, to climate catastrophe, to the war on folks with uteruses, and all manner of international nightmares, the way we've always done things is killing us. And in the wake of all of this, many of us have felt hopeless and confused. We sign petitions and donate money and post on Instagram, but that honestly just doesn't feel like enough. For years, I have held the belief that transformed people transform the world. The work of freedom and liberation must be done both from the political side and from the shifting of the individual's heart. And for many years, I've been playing with methods of doing this for myself, working on how to unlearn the oppression that I grew up in, how to stop perpetuating that oppression in the world around me. And out of that inquiry and experimentation came the toolbox. So the toolbox is an annual membership packed with the tools I've used to make anti-oppression a daily practice. With the 12 month membership, you get unlimited access to all of my embodied liberation workshops, presence practices, group coaching, and more. Pre-sale of the membership starts now. And when you sign up between now and December 31st, you'll receive a free 30-minute one-on-one coaching session with me, regular group coaching calls exclusively for founding members, a free month when you refer a friend, and access to offer direct feedback on the membership as it grows. 
in an effort to create accessibility, I'm providing this membership with sliding scale pricing. So you can choose a price that is accessible for you for as low as $39 a month. This is a huge, huge part of my life's work and I am so excited to share with you. For more information or to become a founding member, click the link in the show notes or go to letsgetnaked.com slash the toolbox. Welcome back to Naked Conversations, dear ones. We have reached the end of our season and it has been a really good one. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you are like, well, dang, when is next next season going to be come out, please? Um, in the description box below, there is a link to get on our newsletter. So get on our newsletter and you'll get all of what's happening over here in the Naked Realm. You'll get when the new season is coming out, um, books and yoga, the toolbox, anything that we're doing. It'll come straight to your email and best believe we are not blowing you up in that email because that takes a whole lot of work. So um, please, yeah, stay in touch, stay in our realm um, because our joy is to lead you closer and closer and closer to your liberation. So let's get into today's episode. Today I had the pleasure of talking with Gianni and Kiki Naviller. Um, Gianni is a self-professed biohacker, certified breathwork facilitator, and cold therapy facilitator. Um, Gianni embarked on this new journey of self-discovery. He felt that he wasn't living life to the fullest and knew there was something more. After endless hours of devouring podcasts, reading books on many biohacking modalities, he started experimenting on himself and continually tweaking and redefining what works and what doesn't. Through trial and error, Gianni discovered that sleep optimization, meditation, exercise, and nutrition and breath work were vital in achieving physical, mental, and spiritual growth. Gianni was called to share his newfound knowledge with friends and family and the results were so encouraging it led him to take a course in breathwork and authentic relating. Gianni now coaches clients to share their similar um, inspiring results. And then to Kiki. So Kiki is a certified sound sensory facilitator from LA. Her journey into the world of energy and sound began as a young child, always seeking the earth's energy by grounding herself, hugging trees, walking barefoot, and thriving in the vibrational frequencies of the planet through sound. Kiki finds great pleasure in immersing her fellow soulmates into this bath of sound, inviting them to find a deeper connection of self-awareness, increasing focus and finding relaxation within the mind to allow the heart space to expand igniting their light within and these two amazing people just so happen to be this amazing husband and wife team that has embarked on this journey of healing and growth and they make an amazing amazing pair and I'm so excited to get into today's episode because we get to talk about a pretty wide range of things. So we first start off with talking about how they even began their journey um, to being sound and breath facilitators and how they ended up like bringing those two things and modalities together. We talk about some coping mechanisms and tools for how to just deal with stress and life and trauma and all the things. We talk about the importance of surrendering to discomfort and how we are in a bit of a comfort crisis. 
we talk about the magic world of breathwork and how breathwork can release DMT. Um, we talk about the intelligence of sound and of water. Um, we also talk, they kind of flip the script on me and we begin to talk about hunting and ancestral eating. Um, we talk about my and Kiki's journey from being vegetarian and vegan to eating meat. Um, and we talk about food as a spiritual practice. And then we get into like the biohacking stuff that all three of us share. Um, and some of the tips, tricks, ways that we have implemented biohacking in our life. And we finish it off by talking about the importance of eating real ancestral foods and how important that is for our bodies. In this episode, I talk about how you know for some of you it might be here for more of the like nitty-gritty political and liberation side that this is liberation work health is really important liberation work and on my journey i have found that you can't just stop in one place there has to be this really beauty beautiful interdisciplinary balance between our liberation journey it can be political but it also needs to be personal And so that is what Naked stands in. And so I hope that you enjoy this episode and I will see you on the other side. Well, hello. Hi, Gianni. Hi, Kiki. Thank you so much for joining me on Naked Conversations. Thank you so much for having us. I'm excited to be here. Hi, Martisa. Me too. I'm super excited. Yes. So the first question I ask all my guests is what made you, you, Uh, and I'll, you know, y'all spitball however you want. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's like hell of a question. (laughs) What made me, me, I would say that the journey of life has made me, me through Mm -hmm. all my experiences from being a child, from going through things that I've gone through from bad experiences to good experiences to seeing things that are beautiful to seeing things that are not so beautiful has opened me up and just made me the person I am today, which is full of love and light and energy. Yeah. And I'm grateful for every experience, no matter how bad or how beautiful it is. I'm grateful for the journey. Definitely. Because without that journey, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. I feel like so many of us, you know, we go through so much stuff in our lives. And I feel like a big marker of how we come out on the other side is how we can see it and reframe it um, to teach us next, you know, in the next coming years of our lives. So yeah, that's so powerful. My turn, I guess. What made me, me? Man, so much. Um my heritage made me me a lot in many ways. My Italian heritage, my Italian bringing up, um, growing up in Hollywood made mm. me me. Um, my core brotherhood of friends. I have friends from kindergarten that I'm still in touch with that, um, Definitely made me me. Mm-hmm. The people I've encountered throughout my life, right? Um, those those guys, as well as um, 
Uh, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard the saying, uh, a time, what is it? A time, a season, a lifetime. Have you ever heard that saying? Mm-mm. So it, it's, it's about people coming into your life. Some of them come in just for a short time. Some come for a season, some come for a lifetime. So those people that came for a short time that, uh, when it was over, the friendship was over or the relationship was over, you thought you, it was the end of the world, but they came to teach you something. Mm -hmm. So I would say them as well. Uh, man, <laughs> the various jobs I've had, which actually haven't been that many, but being in the restaurant, the family restaurant business has made me a lot of who I am. And also, um, this journey that I'm on right now has made me who I mostly am right now. Obviously, I'm on the journey, but um, I, I would I would say a lot of these last these last three years have been a big one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you for responding. I'm really interested for the listeners. Gianni and Kiki are married, and you've been together for how long? You've been walking the journey together for how long? You don't mind me I'd, asking. I'd say a couple of hundred years or more. <laughs> I love that. Answer. We go way, way back. Um, I'm so interested in how, like, I want to get into your work, but I'm interested in like how your relationship has like fostered the growth for your work because I encountered you together, right? Like when I came and sat with you all for breath work, it was a dynamic duo of the two of you. And I'm so interested in how that story has unfolded over the years. Wow. Um, I, you know, the actual work together part was not really planned. It was almost kind of a fluke, but at the same time, I think there were powers in the background that were pushing that to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but it really kind of just culminated overnight in a weird way, I think. Um, well, how do you see it? I think that the space really opened up from when I had a, a traumatic experience in an elevator and it really freaked me out. So mm. I've always kind of been claustrophobic but not really like paying attention to it but being stuck in an elevator really triggered a lot of trauma that I had in the past that I've always pushed aside and I didn't realize that those traumatic experiences really affected me internally until I was stuck in this elevator and then going through therapy in the process of that so I was at a therapy session and I was leaving there was a flyer for a hypnotherapist and I brought that flyer to Johnny which opened up a whole new door for him. And I think that's really when things started to unravel for us and bring us into the light of just a different journey. Although Johnny was already on the path of like biohacking and, and I've always been on the journey of like self-discovery energy and all of that. This kind of just brought it all together. Mm. That's funny. You talk about the, the journey, the, the, the spiritual part, even though you didn't say that word, I know that's what you meant. So she's always been like the crystals and the, and the, you know, the, the, the energy, the energy. I don't want to say woo woo, but she was always that. And I was always on like the science part of stuff. 
the the biohacking and uh the combination is where it's at i think mm-hmm. i think um they, they complement each other you know uh her experience in that elevator led me to some people that um one of them ended up being a mentor of mine for a year which and at that time i still didn't know anything about breathwork i was dabbling in the ice cold therapy um but i didn't know anything about ice uh, about breath yet and that led me to another person who is my teacher alex in bali and that's where i got my my breathwork certification so i think uh, so you know what i'm just going to come out and say it because because our kids i don't even know do the girls know know what <laughs> about my smoking cigarettes oh i don't i i'm sure they know so i'm coming out on your podcast <laughs> to my daughters um so she picked up a flyer at her therapist's uh, uh, office that said, quit smoking uh, with hypnotherapy. So I was ready. I, I had already quit smoking for 14 years. I smoked way back in the 90s. I quit when I was on tour on my birthday in like 97, I think it was. And then I picked it up again in 2012 in uh, in a recording studio. I was making a record. And the the engineer had a cigarette in his mouth the whole freaking time we were recording. And that I just kind of picked it up again. So I was ready. Uh, that was what, 2019, right? Mm-hmm. So I uh, she gave me this flyer and I met this woman. I decided to take her, her, uh, her course, her program. It helped. I quit smoking immediately. Mm-hmm. She introduced me to her mentor and I don't want to get into too many details but that's what led me to the the breath and what the point i'm trying to make is something good came out of something bad Mm -hmm. so the cigarette smoking was obviously bad and here we are today (laughs) yeah i feel like that sense to again kind of echoing what kiki was saying like that it feels like so many of us who are able to like really move past the trauma in our lives, we have to see it in a way that's like, I can grow from this, you know? And that's no shade, no fault of anyone who maybe can't make it in that journey. But I know I can echo the the, the experience of having gone through really traumatic experiences, but being super hell bent on moving past and moving through, you know, and like seeing something deeper and more meaningful out of my life from that experience. And I feel like, you know, even something like smoking can also open up the door if we are open and ready for a new experience, you know, like we can move, uh, move past some, move past some of that um, badness. I hate like (laughs) calling something bad or good. Right. But like we can move past some of that towards uh, the light in a lot of ways, which is awesome. It is. And it took me a long time to really get there. I would go through a traumatic experience. I've, I've had quite a few traumatic experiences. 
I would kind of just push it to the side, like, okay, that was just another day in life. I'm just going to let it go and continue on. So even my therapist was like, well, don't you see that as something like really horrible that's happened to you? And I was like, mm. it happened. And I, you know, I'm just kind of moving on. She's like, you really have to accept it so you can absorb it and then move through it. Yeah. And that was a process of learning, even though from an early age, I was reading like self-help books, all this stuff. But when you're in it mm-hmm. and you're going through it, it's like, wait, I'll get through this. It's okay. And then kind of push it aside. Yeah. And what that's what that, I do it. Right. What was that process for you of like going from, you know, kind of setting it to, aside, like I got to keep chugging on, got to keep moving through life to being like, okay, this is how I'm going to process. What, did, what were some of the tools and wanted some of the ways that you implemented that process? It was a lot of self-help books for me. It was a lot of energy for me. I would go outside and kind of just sit with the feelings that I was having and allow myself to have those feelings. The beach was always someplace I would go to. The waves, the ocean, the sand were just magical or still magical for me. Whenever I'm really down and depressed, it's the only place that will lift my spirits because I'm able to really let go and allow the beauty of the waves and just nature and mother being there with me, you know, mother earth and Gaia, all of it just being there and allowing me to express what I need to dissolve and give it back to the earth. And that was how I, you know, worked with myself and transformed that energy into different energy. And our tree too. Yeah. The tree in my back, in our backyard, you saw our tree. That's, that's my mama now. I go out there every day, (laughs) hug her. I'm like always talking to her. She is my energy queen. I love that. Yes. Yes. Gianni, I'm interested to know your response to that, that question. Uh, What, what tools did I use? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The tools I used, are you specifically talking then or now? I'm kind of interested in that process of like how you moved from, you know, things happening in your life, the traumas happening in your life and just kind of like either squashing them, medicating Uh them Uh to moving through them. Like how, how did you go through that process? I gotcha. Okay. Well, I, I, I do want to preface the trauma for me was lowercase. I've never had a, at least not that I could consciously remember. I don't think I've had a capital T trauma happen in my life, except for maybe when I was, I don't know. I don't even know how old I was. I think I'm maybe nine or 10. My parents got into a big fight. My dad stormed out of the house and he was like, I'm leaving. And, and I went chasing him and I jumped in the, he got in his car and I jumped in the passenger seat and we drove around the block for like an hour. And, and I just remember crying and crying and crying. I mean, that's traumatic, no doubt, but but I've never had anything super duper traumatic. My grandma died right in front of me uh, one summer in Italy, but I honestly, that was a very beautiful thing. It was beautiful to be there when she, when she passed away. Um, But to answer your question, what did I do? What did I use? In the past, a lot of weed, (laughs) a lot of weed. I smoked a lot of weed Yeah, day in, day out 
for like 40 years. Um, and that just numbed everything. Yeah. I always had the excuse that I did it because I liked it and because it was fun. And I actually, it wasn't an excuse. It was the truth back then. I believed it at least, but I really, I couldn't do anything. Even, you know, honestly, it didn't, I didn't even have to have anything bad happen or be in a bad mood to smoke weed. I smoked weed for a good mood, bad mood before dinner, after dinner, before the movies, after the movies. You know, I think, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? oh, 100%. Um, and uh, and then, it, then it, it morphed into drinking later, much later in life. I was pretty, uh, in, in my 20s and even in my 30s, drinking to me was, I kind of saw it as dirty almost. I, I hated when my friends got drunk. I was always the guy who drove everyone to all the clubs, all the parties. I was always the sober one. And I would have a drink. I would have a beer. I never really drank hard liquor. I never did shots. I, I never understood that. Uh, but then something flipped in my 40s and, and I started drinking. I really got into scotch, single malt, and that kind of more just grew and grew. So I used alcohol later in life and uh and then after I, I quit drinking in 2011 and um stayed sober without any uh no more drugging no more drinking and drugging for about five years almost five years and uh things were really good but i gained a lot of weight and I think I used food. Not I can't consciously say I did, but I think I did. Then I started drinking again. Then I started smoking again. And then I quit again. And then I lost a ton of weight. And biohacking took over. Mm. And I really... The, once I lost the weight, I realized um, how important health is. So I started, I started uh, meditating. I started doing the ice, the breath. So that's what it looks like now. It's meditation twice a day, ice bath once a day, almost. I, I'm not consistent as I'd like to be. Um, I journal now. I'm 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 beginning to uh write my my uh, I call it uh uh I dump and then I brag and then I grat which is gratitude so dump brag grat and I try to be I try to do this every morning not as not as consistently as I'd like but this helps a lot and um feel just feel everything. Don't mm -hmm. avoid. Allow the allow the uh, no matter how bad it feels, sit through the feeling and don't don't avoid it. The only way out is through. through. Mm -hmm. I feel like both of you. That was such a a thread between both of your statements is the feeling. I feel like it's so counterintuitive for a lot of folks. They're like, I just don't want to feel like this anymore. Like I'm tired. I'm going through it. Da, da, da. And it's like, 
the feeling is the medicine. The sitting through it without the running is the medicine. And that is never the answer people want to hear who is in pain. You know, it's like, I'm thinking about when I sat in the ice bath with you, right? It's like the through is the way out, even though I jumped very quick. (laughs) (laughs) But the like through, and I think what's so interesting is like to go back to the conversation of the drinking and the drugs. I have a lot of that in my family history, a lot of, of drug and alcohol use. And um, what I see from my experience in my body, in my family structure, and how I see the world is that we're going to be addicted to something. It's what are we addicted to? You know, and like I can, I'm using that word pretty loosely. Can we shift our addictions, quote unquote, to a practice? Can we be in practice with the present moment? Can we be in practice with spirit, with the earth? Can we be in practice outside of needing to numb with addiction or drugs or whatever, or food or whatever it is, because it can be anything. All of us have our things to be addicted to. Um, And I feel like that it ties back to that, like walking through piece. It's like, if we can be in practice, that means we have to sit with the feelings. We have to be with the experience. And, and no judgment, no, you know, have empathy for yourself. Yes. Because a lot of, a lot of the shit that I went through was, you know, most, most of it was based on my own, the, the, my own thoughts of myself, my own uh, judgment of myself, my own self-worth. It wasn't even so much the outside stuff that was happening. It was how I reacted to it and how I responded or I didn't respond. I reacted to it. Yeah. Um, I think that's important to know that when you get these feelings, don't judge yourself. Don't beat mm-hmm. yourself up. It's okay. We all get this. Even, yeah. even the most, you know, even the Dalai Lama gets this stuff. What we do with it. You were going to say something, baby? I was just going to say surrendering is a big part of allowing yourself to heal. Well, yeah. Embrace like, like in the ice bath, if you remember what I would, how I was coaching you through it was this is not a willpower uh, practice. Willpower is not sustainable. It'll get you in the ice. Definitely use, you know, mind over matter and willpower to get in. But once you're in, it's all about acceptance and embrace and find the comfort in the discomfort. That's how we get through. If we're constantly trying to avoid discomfort, we're just kicking the can down the road, saving it mm-hmm. for another day and and stacking, piling it up for that day when it just takes us out. It's too much. We're, we're addicted to comfort, this especially modern humans. We're addicted to, to convenience and it's just making us more and more fragile. It starts as a young child when you're growing up, even yeah. from your parents to school. It's like, it's going to be okay. Don't cry. You're okay. Don't feel, don't feel, don't feel. Just keep going. You know, it's you're taught as a very young child not to feel what you need to feel. 
I mean, we're giving emotion, we're giving emotions and feelings. It's part of our chemistry. It's part of our body. We need to allow ourselves starting with young children. It's, I mean, that's where it all begins with kids. I was a preschool teacher for a lot of years, for many years. And people, my practices with these kids were so out there. The teachers would think I was crazy, but the parents were like, wow, what are you doing to my kids? <laughs> and I think it's, it's so important for parents to know that it's your children have to feel and you have to allow them that experience to feel yeah, and work with them and help them understand. Because once we can understand when, as we grow older, we can work with those feelings ourselves instead of like, Oh wait, I'm not supposed to feel that. Let me, let me go do this. Let me jump here. Let me smoke a joint. Let me go have a drink. You know? Well, our parents did that. They used, uh, ice cream and cake and cartoons and Disneyland and all of those distractions. And we learned it. We took it into our adult lives and we're still looking for the, that outside thing to make us feel good and whole on the inside. Right. Drugs, sex, yeah. alcohol. When wholeness only comes from within, once we feel whole within, we can experience it without. And that's when we can give to other people. So everything really comes from within us. It's an inside job. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent. It's so powerful. It's so powerful just to like put the autonomy back in the hands of the individual, right? Where it's like, I can find it here. I don't need nothing else. I don't need, it's like, even though it's like these practices are amazing, it's such amazing tools, but ultimately it costs zero. <laughs> it costs zero to find the wholeness, which is, it's a gift, truly is a gift it's so simple but it's also extremely difficult mm -hmm. and painful to sit with yourself mm -hmm. to get to that point where you're like okay i'm comfortable it takes a while yeah. but when you once you get there every second of it is worth it yeah absolutely absolutely i love that let's talk about the work that you do and the tools that you all teach that help people kind of move into this space. So I sat with you both doing breath work and sound bath and would love for you to just talk about, first of all, um, Gianni, what is breath work in the way that you practice it? What is it? What's the history of it for our listeners? Well, the history is, is pretty deep and pretty wide. So the the type that I do is a combination of conscious connected breath work. Um, you could say there's some holotropic in there. Uh, there's definitely some Wim Hof method in, in my method. Uh, Tumo, which is kind of what Wim Hof based his off of. Um, what is breath work? Well, we all breathe, but one could say we all breathe incorrectly nowadays. And there are many reasons for that, you know, physiological reasons. We don't chew enough our food like we used to. So our, our nasal, our nasal passages have have gotten smaller. Our jaws are not as, uh, prominent as they used to be all of this is in is in james nestor's book 
Breath. I think you and I spoke about that book before. Did you read it? Oh, it's a it's a great book to read. No, so, haven't. so modern humans breathe very shallow and very rapid. We don't breathe into our diaphragm the way if you watch a child, I mean a baby, even even a young uh, a young child, they breathe more straight down into their diaphragm. So most people are are I mean it's kind of hard to demonstrate here on an audio thing but most people take 10 to 12 breaths shallow breaths per minute through the mouth. Right? We should take it a little slower, 5 to 6 breaths in and out through the nose. gives us time that space in between that slowing down of the breath allows us to back to respond rather than react when we're breathing slow and fast we're we're activating the fight or flight uh uh you know the 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 survival mode whereas when we take it slow it's all about rest digest absorb space to decide to make you know a good decision we can't think clearly when we're in fight or flight so breath work funnily enough does the opposite right we're intentionally going into fight or flight that's why we breathe in and out through the mouth but we're doing that under our power under our decision same with the ice bath we're doing it with an intention and that's how we kind of get in touch with our intuition we all have a mentor people think i always ask before classes raise your hand if you have a mentor most people don't raise their hand and then i tell them well guess what you do it's your intuition this practice is a way to get in touch, get back in touch with your intuition, because children are super in touch with their intuition. That's why they they say what they want and they don't like their reasoning mind doesn't get in the way. So when we get into a breathwork practice, we're essentially we're turning off the prefrontal cortex and we're going deep into the, the lizard brain, the amygdala. And that's where we get in touch with our intuition and that's why people begin to emote and cry and you know sometimes laugh get really angry whatever whatever they need whatever they've been stuffing our body is like a storage unit mm-hmm. all everything that every uh, negative every event even positive sometimes we stuff it and the body remembers what the mind forgets. So when we get into this to this practice, it doesn't take long, especially if you if you kind of get out of your head and you get into your body and just allow the breath to do its thing, you start to kind of unfold, peel back the layers of all of this stuff you've been stuffing and stacking and bottling up. And it comes out. It comes out. You have you you can't control it. Unless, of course, you 
you get back into your head and say, no, 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 I don't want to feel this, which happens a lot. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people, the moment they're on the precipice of, of losing it, they take, they, they're like, no, 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 they, they, they slow, they stop breathing heavy and they, and they just get back into their head and, and that's what's supposed to happen. You know, I, I'll admit sometimes I get mad when I'm <laughs> facilitating and I'm like, no, damn it, keep going. <laughs> but I'm, I'm learning that this is their experience. And if that's what they need to do right now, let them have their experience next time I'll, I'll get them next time <laughs> but um look i truly believe we need to teach what we need to learn the most so when i'm when i'm there facilitating and i start getting mad at somebody for for not going deep enough that's a lesson i need to learn mm -hmm. right I kind of went off on a tangent on what breath work is. <laughs> no, this is great. This is great. I'm thinking I'm laughing or because <laughs> um, two pieces. The first one is like, I, every time I have done breath work in the same style, like with you and in, in a similar style to you beforehand, um, I have that moment. Like, I think Kiki, I was telling you when I was at your all's home, that the first time I ever did this style of breath work, I did it virtually in my house. And I'm like in it, you know, I'm doing the breath and I start getting, what is that called? When you get the, the claws, the tetany. Yeah. And my face is like contorting and my hands are contorting. I was like, oh, hell no, I cannot do this. You start freaking out, right? And so every time I've done this style of breath work, since I've had a moment where I was like, oh, I'm going too deep. It's too far, you know, and, and my, my fear brain wants to like stop me. Um, but it's a practice to remind myself that I'm safe and that I can continue to go deeper in that. Um, it's just funny because it's so human and it's like all of us, I feel, I feel like so many of us experience that, that like halt. It's so funny because we did talk about that because my first experience with breath work was with Johnny, but I was in another room. I knew very little about it, but I went through it and I was like, oh, I'm going in. I'm going like full on dark room. I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to cover my eyes. It's going to be dark and I'm going down deep. And boy, did I go down deep. I sat up so quickly. I was like, holy shit, what's happening to my body? Oh my God, I can't my hands, my feet are numb. This is numb. Oh my God, I got to stop. And then I was like, whoa, I feel really dizzy and lightheaded. I better lie down. And then I started to calm down. Like, okay, let me think about what Johnny said in the beginning. Like, you're safe, you're okay. So I lied back down. I was like, okay, I'm going to go back in. But oh my God, was it intense that first time? Oh yeah. my gosh. And I couldn't go to anyone because it was virtual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I got to do this. And you were in the closet too, right? <laughs> it was like full on. I was like, I'm going down for this experience full on. It's going to be great. And then, you know, like you said, that fear triggers and you're like, oh my God, wait, what's happening to my body? Am I going to make it through this? Is Am I triggering something that's going to make me sick or have a heart attack or, you yeah. know, what's happening? And then it, after that, I was like, this was amazing. Once you can get past that fear. Your fear doesn't care what you know. 
right? Mm -hmm. It'll use your feelings to to overwhelm your 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 rational brain. The body will, you know, that it it's survival, right? So even though ra rationally, you know, I'm just breathing super heavily right now, your 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 fears takes over and and doesn't matter. So, you know, mindfulness, this, this is, this, breath work is a mindfulness practice as much as it is physical. It's also very mental. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the journey through that process is the medicine. I know for me, it has been, and, and mm -hmm. I have the same process. Like if I'm sitting for, for plant medicine of any type, I have that same experience where it's like, I get to a point where I'm like, oh no, what am I doing? Like, you know, you hit that halt where you want to like stop it all. But then it's like that process of moving through it is the medicine of the journey. And what's so interesting with both plant medicine and with, with the breath work, afterwards you feel amazing. Mm -hmm. Like amazing. Like I, like the, it's like the sky, like especially with the breath work, I feel like it's the most um, wild to me because I did not know that you could experience those levels of consciousness just on like the breath that you're having. You know, I can feel like I'm on full on, for lack of a better word, drugs just by doing breath work. Um, and Gianni, well, I'd love to know your thoughts behind some of that and why that happens. Well, um, you are on drugs. Nash, uh, national. <laughs> <laughs> natural. Natural drugs. DMT, dimethyltryptamine. That's why I have you do the squeeze. I, I forgot to mention my, my method uh, incorporates some Joe Dispenza, which is that squeeze, pushing that cranial spinal fluid up the spine. It goes up to the pineal gland and gives it a little knock, knock. Yeah. And you release DMT. And they say I've heard I've heard them say DMT is released uh, when we're when we're dying, when we're in agony. It's funny the word agony I think has been misused. Agony means when you're dying. If you look that. up the if you look up the definition of agony, and I learned this through my cousin when my dad was passing away. She was like, he's in agonia, in agonia in Italian. And I'm like, he doesn't look like he's in agony. He looks peaceful. And so she explained to me what agony means. So I think that my dad was having a DMT release. And that's mm -hmm. why they report seeing a light, right? People that actually like uh, their pulse stop, they die and they come back and then they report seeing a light. It's euphoric. It's that release of... yeah. Everything is beautiful. Everything is light. When I did Bufo, um, which is 5-MeO-DMT, I saw that light. And I saw that tunnel. Everything that they, they well, when those people that, you know, on those documentaries that died and came back, everything that they describe is exactly what I saw doing Bufo. Mm. So what was your question? Um, expl uh, explain the, why you felt that. I, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting because 
um, the first time I really got deep in into this type of breath work, I had it was before I did ayahuasca. And I had more visuals, like more like visions of life, experiences, all these things doing the breath work than I did doing ayahuasca. And even when I sat with you two, I remember like I'm I'm laying underneath your beautiful tree in your backyard. And the light was gorgeous today. It was like a beautiful day, the day that I was there. And I remember the sky got so bright. It was like blinding bright at one point. And like my body always does a lot of things because my body has to get a lot of stuff out <laughs> anytime I'm journeying in any way. Um, but I can remember so specifically the brightness of that light. And then slowly as my vision began to come back into, you know, normal vision, um, everything felt like it was shimmering. Mm. And I'm like that, it's just, I will, I feel like I will never not be amazed at that experience. I'm not never <laughs> amazed. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I almost said it again. I'm not never amazed. I'm never, I'm not amazed. Oh, no. <laughs> I am amazed. <laughs> I am always amazed after a session and everyone sits up and they start sharing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm amazed at what they have to say. The, vi the visions, the feelings, the, the emotions, the, every, the body, the physical, everything that people experience metaphysical spiritual uh uh journey with ancestors i ancestors mean we've yeah visiting it's yeah. it's wild to hear and and i'm amazed every time i hear it yeah i felt a deep completion um when i was doing when i was sitting with you all like i felt it's been months now but i i so vividly remember the light i vividly remember like like stretching out, like, as I'm like trying to feel the earth, like I wanted my hands in the grass underneath me. And like, uh, like, you know, your, my body was convulsing through the, the process of it. And I always feel like the deeper I get into some of this work, um, the less my cognitive brain has to do with it if it makes if that makes sense so when I first started getting into self-help work and liberation work and all the things that I do it was so heady because I'm a Capricorn I'm a he I like academia like I'm I'm a I'm a heady type of person and it was all heavy heady is like theory you know writing all of this stuff and I feel like as I get deeper and deeper into my journey the more it's like I don't actually have language for the experience I'm having everything is so embodied um and I remember that so vividly with sitting with you all it was like I felt such clarity in my body I had messages coming through that was just crystal clear I was like all I want to do is like have my feet and my hands in the dirt and in the earth right now mm -hmm. um and that experience is so different than I expected this journey would take me down. I thought it would take me down more deeper theories and more, you know, profound things. And it's like, it actually gets so simple. <laughs> it just it really allows you to get into the body. Yes. Well, back to the intuition. 
out of your head into the body, let your body talk to you, let your body express what you need to know. Yeah. Because we don't listen to our body enough. We're top heavy, man. We live from the chin up, especially nowadays. Yeah. So yeah, that experience was, was you going down into the body, right? Martisa, meet Martisa, <laughs> right? That intuition, that gut of yours. And, wh- you know, it's funny. People always talk about the, the three brains, the brain brain, the heart brain, and the gut brain. It's all one brain connected by through the, the vagus nerve. Most of our decisions are made down here. Mm. Uh, for those who aren't can't see us, I'm pointing at my gut. Yeah. That's that's where that's where most of you know the information is sent from there to the brain back down to there and it happens, you know, lightning fast. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say you can not everybody may feel that, but you can really attribute that to when you're not feeling I think a lot of people feel this. That's why I'm gonna say it this way that when you walk into a space where something doesn't feel right, you kind of feel it in your stomach area, your belly, like wait. I'm feeling really uneasy. And that's when you know your body's talking to you. Your gut is always talking to you. We just kind of listen to it when something's not feeling right. But even when something is right, our gut is talking to us. We tend to not listen to it though. Like we tend to surpass that. Like, okay, I'm just going to walk into this room no matter what I'm feeling in my gut and it's going to be okay. But your body instinctively knows something is not okay and you should listen to that mm-hmm. yeah your reasoning mind takes over and says now nah, it's, it's just it's just in my head which goes back to childhood like no no you're gonna be okay just keep going <laughs> and it really is just in your head um and then what ends up happening so let's say let's let's say you walk into a room and it was a party and you just felt something icky when you walked in but you didn't leave because your reasoning mind said no nah, it's gonna be fine guaranteed something went wrong that night right same with like you know this this might not make a lot of sense for southern californians but has this ever happened to you martisa you're from the east coast you uh you're ready to walk out the house and something tells you to bring the umbrella like you you see the umbrella at the doorway and then you're like, oh, no, it's sunny out. You look out the door, you open the door, you're like, no, it's a sunny day. I don't need the umbrella. You walk out, three hours later, it's pouring rain. This yeah. intelligence, we, our body knows shit, man. Listen to your gut. Grab the umbrella. What's the worst that could happen? It just sits in the back seat until you get home later. Right. I always feel that another simple example is like um, when I'm driving and my gut will be like, oh, you should take this direction, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm like, nah, this one's faster. <laughs> and then it's an accident or like it's crazy traffic or something, you know, silly. Yeah. I have and another just, one. Yes. And this happens to me all the time. And I listen to my gut in this, in this instance, I like to drive fast. I'm not going to lie. A lot of times I want to, I'll want to like, you know, gun it or do something illegal or bad and, and something will tell me not to, and I don't. And then split second later, 
CHP comes rolling past. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He was behind me. He would have, he would have nailed me if I did that bad thing that my gut got said, no, don't do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we can go down, we can yeah. go down all day uh, with examples with this. feelings. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to be tuned in. And what I have found too, is that that voice, the more that I listen to that gut feeling to that voice, whatever, however it shows up, um, the stronger it gets, the more, the louder it gets, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also noticed the opposite is true. The less that I listen to it, the quieter it seems to get. Um, Like a muscle. Exactly. It really, it really, really is. Yeah. Kiki, let's talk about sound healing. (laughs) (laughs) So I think what's so powerful about the duo of you two is that you have both happening at the same time. You've got the breath work, you've got the sound healing on top. For those of our listeners who are not familiar with sound healing and sound baths, can you kind of give a description and maybe a little history on it? Okay, so sound healing. Wow, it goes back to ancient times. Sound has always been vibration energy, which helps us drop into the parasympathetic nervous system and brings us deeper into ourselves. So while playing music, you, I mean, as I know, as for me as a young child, I always used music as. I'm happy. I want to play happy, you know, happy music. I'm sad. I want to be depressed. I'm going to play this. I've also always, since a very, very young child, hummed without knowing why. I've always been a huge hummer. When I eat, I hum. When I'm sad, I hum. When I'm happy, I hum. And I've been doing this as a child. And to me, that was very healing. Soothing. It was my my mechanism without knowing why that I was healing myself. And there's science behind that. Just wanted to say the humming, <laughs> there's there's something real about it. It's not just woo-woo. Go ahead. So through through music and through sound, I've always found peace within myself. One day we went to a sound healing session in the park. And it was the first time I'd ever really done sound healing. And or experienced right, it as, as, a, a, as a participant. Yeah. And the first time I went, I was like, this is awesome. This is cool. I I kind of thought I was asleep, but I later learned through, you know, going to school and learning more about it. I was in the theta state. Hmm. We went back another time. And this time things really triggered with me. Like, wow, this is so beautiful. The vibration, the energy that I'm getting, the drop down within myself was so spectacular when it was over I got up and I was like this is exactly what I need to be doing people need to feel this people need to know that you can go into this space be calm be relaxed allow yourself to get out of your head and into your body and feel that energy of the bowls of the chimes of the drum of the rain the the rain stick the gong the gong is I love the gong. I tend to play very heavy with the gong because that's really what resonates with me. Mm-hmm. And the gong and the bowls together, the energy that it brings and 
when people come out of it, I mean, the their days, they're, they sit, I mean, I can't even explain, like talk about words. I can't even explain it because I'm like, I get so overwhelmed and emotional from it because it's just such a beautiful feeling. Mm-hmm. And then together with the sound, together with the breath, I think that while Johnny is stressing you out, breathe, 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 the bowls and the gong are actually helping you decompress and yeah, allow you to get into your body. So the whole process of the breathing and the sound together really is a, a great combination to allow you to dig deep within yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember that day that we were driving home from that, that, that second sound bath we did in the park. And you said that to me, like, this is something I need to be doing. I remember think I, I, I not just thinking it, I said it out loud. I'm like, this is it. We got to do We got to bring, we got to combine our our thing like learn it do it and then let's start doing it together and i think i did it that very day i was yeah. like okay I, and it was during the was it during the pandemic that's why i said overnight and i was like okay i started <laughs> looking online like where can i find classes what can i do but, but going back to sound and music and stuff when i was a teacher that's how i would get the children to get into groups and feel welcome. We would sing songs to clean up. So cleaning up wasn't a chore. Cleaning up was fun. We're going to sing and clean and we're going to, you know, put everything away. And it was such a great experience. So these kids would go home and when their parents would tell them to clean the room, they started singing. So that experience (laughs) of like cleaning was like, okay, I can do this because I'm going to have fun and sing. And it's also healing within yourself. You're singing, you're bringing that energy, you're vibrating your soul to that good feeling of like, this is love, this is beautiful. Yeah. Music's been used for, you know, millennia throughout throughout history for, you know, so many different reasons. It's not just sound uh, bath or, you know, what she does just putting on your radio, putting on music. I mean, we've all been, we've all done it. I mean, look at, I mean, it's being used in medicine now. I mean, it's been being used, it's been used in medicine for a while, but yeah, you know, medicine is using sound to really help people with cancer, with other diseases, with other illnesses to help regulate things, to help break things down just to allow people to get in. I think once you can get into yourself, you can work with yourself and just get out of your head and clear your thoughts so you can actually focus on, okay, I'm going to help heal myself or help. And I don't want to get technical or things like that because I'm not a doctor. So I don't know per se, but I know that it is really being used in the medical field because they're finding so many things out about sound and energy and vibration. Do you remember I used it in my surgery? Mm Mm-hmm. I had surgery uh, 20 years ago, and I told the surgeon, I brought a CD back in then those days uh, of uh, uh, what we had for the girls, uh, Baby Einstein. Yes. Baby Beethoven. No, Baby Einstein. So I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Maybe your listeners have. It was, uh, yeah, you've heard of it? I've heard of it, yeah. No, it was Baby Mozart. Baby Mozart, whatever. It 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 was classical music to help your baby sleep or something. I brought that CD into uh, my into the uh, the the OR. I, I had told my doctor I want to do this, and he was fine with it. And he was explaining to me how they've 
he'd never experienced it, but he read articles about how people recover faster, people uh, bleed less, and all, all these different uh, positives to having music in the OR during a, uh, a surgery. And also, um, I forgot the the doctor, the scientist named Japanese uh, doctor who did um, all those experiments. Momoto. Momoto, Matsumoto, about Matsumoto. water and mm -hmm. music and how music takes on. So, yeah, music, sound is, is incredible. I do actually sing to my water every day. <laughs> I love <My> that. <laughs> my first glass of water I go to or water container and I while it's pouring into my glass I sing to it and I tell my water how grateful I am and how I'm going to enjoy the healing properties of the water every day I love, I love that what do you sing what do you sing when you sing to it oh my god I um yeah every day it's something different yeah. I always do say I'm grateful. I, I'll have to think about it because right now that you asked me, it's out of my head. But if I can visualize myself going yes. to the water, it'll come back to me. So if I jump in, it'll be because I know. Please. <laughs> I vortex our water. You showed me that when I was at your house. Talk, Tell the uh, listeners about that process and what that is. Well, I mean, I don't I'm, I can't I can't get too too technical, but water in nature doesn't uh, doesn't sit still so when it's when it's sitting still in a bottle for god knows how many months or longer uh, in some instances or when it's going through the pipes and all of these you know right angles and hard angles and turns and stuff it's not in its nature its nature is to flow mm. right and what happens when it's sitting or when it goes through the pipes the way it does uh, the molecules separate. Uh, so the water molecules are hexagonal, I believe. And so when it's flowing, the all of the the negative because the 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 um, uh, there's a negative and a positive charge to each molecule in water. So when it's flowing, they come together and form this hexagon. And apparently, we absorb it much more efficiently when it's alive. So that's it's considered living water or alive water. It has many names, crystalline water, easy water, the letters easy. Dr. Gerald Pollack is, is, a, is a great person to listen to about all of this. So you're just, you're in a nutshell, you're mimicking nature when you vortex your water before you drink it. Mm. And I could name another dozen people. Isabel Friend, she's an, uh, that's her last name, by the way. Uh, uh, she she's an amazing. Uh, uh, I don't even know what you would call her. Water advocate. You could learn a lot from Isabel Friend. I will uh, link all these resources in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Amazing. Well, before I ask you. My last question, will you tell everyone what you're up to right now, how they can support you and your work and all the things? Sure. Thank you for asking. Um, we, we run regular sessions uh, in Marina Del Rey in Southern California at a place called Hallowed Ground every Saturday morning. Uh, there's no ice bath there. It's just breath and sound kind of a uh, abridged version of what we do here at the house 
but that's a quick, easy way to come see us. What every is it, step. 75 minutes, I think? 70 minutes? The It's from 9.30 to 10.15, so that's 75 minutes yeah. if, if the math is right. But the breathing is a lot less. We have to, it's got to be it's short. Shortened. Yeah, it's got to be because there's more classes after that. Uh, we do events here at our home in Burbank, California. Uh, we do events all over the city. We have one event coming up, but it, this podcast will be, you're going to drop this podcast when it's already done. Um, and I also just launched a six-week program to kick anxiety and stress in the ass once and for all, naturally and permanently. Now, when I say permanently and when I say once and for all, that doesn't mean stress and anxiety ain't going to come, but you're going to know how to deal with it. You're going to know, you're going to have tools. So in my six-week program, I'm going to not only uh, get kind of get you out of whatever stress and anxiety you're having in, in your life at this moment, um, you're going to learn the tools to not allow that to happen anymore. Um, that's about it, really. Uh, do, I mean, there's a lot that we we're going to do, but none of it's in place yet. Retreats. Um, thinking about starting maybe a membership thing, but not quite there yet. We're thinking of doing not just events, but day retreats. So there's a lot, you know, on the, on the, on the planning board. And obviously some of it's not going to, you know, it'll end up on the chopping block, but we're, we're, we've got plans evolving constantly yes, those thinking plans are going to come to fruition new things coming up all the time where um can people stay in touch so that they can know when the plans drop that they can get on it yeah uh most I, i'm most active on instagram so respiro space r-e-s-p-i-r-o-s-p-a-c-e same name under Facebook, same name under LinkedIn, Twitter, all of them. That's all Respiro space, but I'm most mostly active on Instagram. So you could DM me there. You could also uh, email me at Gianni, G-I-A-N-N-I, at respirospace.com. Uh, respirospace.com, the website. Also, you can go and learn some more there. Kiki's Instagram is? Unseen.sound. On Instagram, you can DM me as well for private sound baths, but also working with Johnny as groups. That's where, and I don't really have any other social media for my sound, my sound right now. So the best way to reach me would be unseen.sound. Yeah. And, and important to note, even though you just said it, I also do ice and breath separately without Kiki. And she does sound stimulation, sensory Sensor. stimulation mm -hmm. on her mm -hmm. own as well. So it's not like we're always a package. Yeah. But they're an awesome package. <laughs> Thank you. We think and all, so. of, <laughs> all of that info will be in the um, show notes. So there'll be links and all the things. Awesome. I want to talk to you about something. Oh, okay. Come on. <laughs> Talk to me about hunting. Oh, and ancestral yes. eating. Yeah. Okay. 
I love, I love when the, the tables get flipped. Um, <laughs> golly, that's a big question. So as you and our listeners know, my big life theme is liberation and freedom. And for me, I'm interested in what that looks like interdisciplinary wise. So in all the ways and areas of my life, how free can I be is the question I'm always asking myself. And one of my great passions is eating. I Mm. love to eat. I feel like um, I grew up in the kitchen with my grandmother sitting on her counter with my hands in some, um, any type of anything, wh- whatever she was making, dressing during for Thanksgiving, whatever I was, had my little hands sitting on the counter, helping her with it. And also with my feet in the ground, in her backyard, running around, looking at her peppers, looking at her tomatoes in her garden. And so food, I feel like honestly has always been there. And I think as a, like in the modern age, not even just in the modern age, but being a woman in a patriarchal society, food can be a really difficult conversation for a lot of women, for a lot of people, but really for a lot of women. And so reclaiming a relationship with food, especially coming from a space where I was like, vegan and vegetarian and going back and forth between, you know, the process of what does harm look like? What is my responsibility in harm? Um, I want to be here to support the ecosystem. What does that look like in a, you know, factory farmed food environment? Um, Hunting and ancestral foods is kind of like where I'm at in the answer of that journey. Um. I'll stop there and see if that makes sense or if you have questions. <laughs> question. How long were you a vegan? So I was vegetarian for longer and I would go through spurts. So I would say it was off and on um, six years-ish, off and on for about six years. And what was it that always brought you back to meat? I mean, joy for one, (laughs) for one is I love to eat and it's such joy and there's a lot of cultural connection to eating meat. Right. Um, and then towards the end of it, it was my body. I was like, I, I, like I would crave it, especially as like a person who was in their menstruating years. Like I need to be like eating nutrient dense meat. Mm -hmm every month when I'm bleeding specifically. Um, that, yeah, that. So I was a vegetarian for almost 12 years and going through my energy doctor and chiropractor, she would always tell me, you have to eat meat. You have to eat meat. It was such a battle of like, I, I can't, I can't put that in my body right now. I, you know, it's, I'm not where I'm at. One day I was at work and this was what's, Recently, how long ago? Maybe six months. That you've been eating meat. Yeah, again? yeah, about that long. Maybe, I maybe walked out of my office building, and I walked onto Sunset Boulevard, and I had this overwhelming feeling of I need to eat 
some ribs right now. <laughs> I went home that night and I was like, Johnny, I'm eating meat. And he was like, what? Because he's always like, come on, just have a bite. Just have a bite. Just have a bite. And I, we did have meat that night. I think I had pork, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I have not looked back. I can't tell you how good I feel, how my body has changed, mm-hmm. how energized I feel, how much clarity I have. It It's changed my life again. You know, yeah. it was really hard to accept that process. And I, I do like thank the animal before I put it in my mouth and digest it. And that's been my process of going back to meat, but it's amazing. Yeah. And my doctor was like, thank God. (laughs) Right. How did you do that? I feel like for me, um, when I decided that I was going to start eating meat again, I was like, cause one of my like debates in my head with the veganism thing was like, I want to save the planet. I want to, you know, I love animals, all these things. Um, and one of the debates was how can I participate in, in this process of death when I'm not willing to actually participate in it. So it's like, I couldn't see myself killing something. So how could I like expect other people to do that for me and then just reap that benefit, right? And so that's why the hunting happened for me. Cause I was like, well, I'm going to see if this is possible for me. I'm going to engage in this process of life and death and if I can do that, if that's something I can do, then I feel way more in alignment with my choices here. Um, and so I'm interested, that was one of the ways that I was like helping myself to wrap my head around the very complex issue of like life, death, taking a life, all of these things. Um, and since I have a lot of other feelings about that topic, but I'm super interested in Kiki, how you, how you kind of process through that, or if you're still processing through it. I'm still processing through that. Um, I think the only thing that I've actually gone out and done was fish mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've caught that fish and I was like, okay, this is what's going to be for dinner. I did not gut the fish, but I, I did thank the fish when I caught it. And yeah. for me right now, the process is just being grateful for mm-hmm. the animal giving me the nutrients and the vitamins and it's life to support my life. And I'm, I, I honored that animal for that. My grandmother was Peruvian and she always would tell me, she would call me gringa. Gringa, the earth is here to provide for us. Always be grateful. She would say it to me in Spanish, always be grateful for what the earth has. Always be grateful for what you're putting into your body. She was really against any type of medication. Mm. She said, the minute the doctors start giving you medication, move away. (laughs) And so it it was really important for her to eat the proper foods, to keep the body healthy, to keep the body alive. She never like put any type of hair dye in her hair. She would put butter and lard in her hair and keep her hair braided all the time. And, you know, her sunscreen was, was lard, was butter. She lived to be what? She lived to be 93 and she could have lived longer, but unfortunately she fell and broke her hip oh, yeah. and she started taking medication that the doctors gave her. And that's when she was like, I told you, this is it. She said, once that happens, that's it. <laughs> but then she was also like, you know what? I'm ready to go. I'm, it's time for me to go. I'm old and, 
you know, I feel like I'm a baby again, being in this age. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but being through her, I learned so much about life and the earth and through both all, you know, both sides of my grandparents. I think also for you, um, has been a lot of the stuff that uh, that you've been listening to that I've turned you on. I'm not trying to take any credit here, by the way, <laughs> but just stuff that I oh, follow, yes. you know, the Daniel yes. Vitalis, the, uh-huh. the Paul Saladinos, the Sean Bakers, mm-hmm. and not only, not only uh, meat, but, um, you know, fats, pro- healthy yeah. fats, mm-hmm. lard, ghee, butter, ghee, yeah. butter, you know, this, this country and I mean, it's not the country's fault. It's it's the corporation's fault. This whole uh, 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 canola oil and all of these seed oils. It's like we're, we're, we spend more time at the market reading labels now. We've become those people. I used to make fun of those people. But it's now you really, you can't. You have to. It's so scary. You cannot go into the market and buy anything that doesn't have a seed oil in it. Nuts, freaking nuts. A bag of nuts has... Has has sunflower oil in it or safflower oil? It's like, <laughs> why? Yeah, yeah. And people don't realize it. People think that it's healthy. Oh, it's vegetable oil. What fucking vegetable has oil? Right. <laughs> it's yeah. just yeah. So I think a lot of it has to do with that as well for you. And uh, just also because of the way I've started to eat and incorporating meat back into my diet has brought so much inflammation in my body down. The salt I use, the the water we drink, the meat we eat, the vegetables we use, you know, go to the farmer's market. I don't eat a lot of fruits. If I do, it's usually stone fruits. I love fruits. So that's a big change for me as well. But I really try to preserve my body as the temple it is. Mm-hmm. And as I'm getting older, you know, I'm older now. It's I can't go out and eat the shit I used to eat. Even though I was raised, we never had soda in the house. We never had any sugars in the house. Never. But you know, as you get older, you're, oh, I'm making money. I'm going here. I'm getting that. I'm eating this. And then coming back to it now and realizing like, wow, my mom and dad knew what was up, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. making homemade mayonnaise from when we were kids. Speaking of going out, go ahead. No, please go. Go, go, go. Well, she mentioned salt and she mentioned going out. So we've noticed um, the few times that we do go out for dinner and we forget to tell them no salt because we bring our own salt with us. Redmond real salt. Mm-hmm. You know it? I got some in the five pounds upstairs <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> So when we do go out now, we always say, please, no, don't, no salt. And they don't always listen. But the times we forget, the next morning, Ugh, awful. we both wake up. I feel like my fingers are swollen. Like you can't bend them. It's I'm awful. Lethargic. Like I could totally feel the difference when we go out to dinner now. And so we have to be very careful on where we go. It's like we, there's so many places we just can't go to anymore. Oh yeah. Um, and and to be honest, it doesn't even taste good anymore. We make better food at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just having that conversation with my partner um, yesterday. Like, food is so expensive out, oh. and it's like it's not even like 
quality, you know? It's not even quality. So what what is the point? Like, what do we do what are, just for the convenience right. of it? And right. it, it for me, it really does come back to earlier, uh, Gianni, you were saying that, you know, we're addicted to comfort in our society, right? And going out and hunting is not comfortable. Or convenient. Or convenient, you know? Going out and raising your own food is not comfortable. Going out and planting a garden is not comfortable. It is some of the most rewarding work that I know I have ever done. Like when I get off my computer, when I finish work every day, the first thing I'm doing is going out and staring at my seedlings to see who is growing. Like, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. But it's like, that's the most, I mean, honestly, and I think that like, food is a spiritual practice as well. And we don't see it as that anymore. You know, like we see it as something as just part of our addiction to consumption. Like it's constantly, we're always snacking, we're always doing this. And it's like, we don't recognize the time and care that is required to honor our human vessel because we're so used to like going to McDonald's or whatever the fuck and like grabbing a Big Mac if we're hungry. It's right there. It's so convenient and easy. I just read a great book or I listened to it on uh, on audiobook um uh Fast This Way by Dave Asprey. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting how he breaks down food and history and you know how we've we overeat now. And yeah. because it's right there, it's just so easy to overeat. And how our body responds to not eating, you know, people are so freaked out when you tell them you're, you're fasting for three days. They, you know, they, they, they either, either they, they get scared for you or they get <laughs> the, the, they get scared for themselves. Like, it's just a weird, it's weird to watch people re react to uh, fasting. And when you talk about it. Yeah. Um. I do want to give a caveat on the fasting um, for menstruating women. I think oh, no. everyone else. He talks about that. He does talk about it. Yes. Interested to know what he thinks. Because i that's been my uh, critique of a lot of biohacking stuff and why I kind of like stepped away from it is because I didn't feel represented in my female menstruating body because so much of the science is done on men. Mm -hmm. And so- it doesn't take into account this very complex system that I got going on over here where like, if I fast, my fasting isn't, isn't necessarily safe for me at this moment. I think on a spiritual level, it can be, but on like a actual physical level, it doesn't feel good in my body. He talks about it. I'm going to see if I can find it fast. Uh, he talks about it, I think in chapter eight or nine or something. Uh, it's a, it's fast. Oh no. Where is it? It's a little different for women. Chapter nine. Ah, okay, cool. That's great. Cause I swear I was, I always was like, okay, this is great. But what about me? <laughs> he says, don't do it or yeah. do it differently yeah. because you need it. You're losing so much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about sleep for a moment? Please talk about sleep. So I, I consider myself a sleep hacker. 
Um, we don't take it seriously. Oh, we don't take sleep seriously. Yeah. No, yeah. we yeah. as a society, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, someone in the fifties, I think it was in the food and drug administration arbitrarily came up with this eight hour number, but really that's all. No doctors really talk about sleep. More, more doctors nowadays are finally coming on board, but for the most part, it's just like, yeah, get your eight hours of sleep. It's not about the quantity. It's the quality. Mm. Um, I've learned a lot in the last several years about sleep and it's helped me tremendously. I can go on and on, but there's at least a dozen things that we can do that don't cost us a dime that are readily available to every human on earth. Some less so than others, depending on where you are, but you know, I'm not going to get into it, but the sun and mm-hmm. how much sun you get and when you get the sun, right? Um, the environment, the bedroom, the bedroom is a sacred place. It should be where we sleep and make love. Don't sit on your bed with your laptop. <laughs> you know, don't invite friends in your bedroom. You know, I, I, there's one more thing you could do in your bed. Read a book. Light, Mm -hmm. the tiniest little, you know, light coming from your alarm clock, which by the way, you won't need an alarm clock if your circadian rhythm is in check. That part. So the tiniest little light, our, our entire exoskeleton is, is, has light receptors. So that tiny little light, especially if it's blue or green, your body will think it's still daylight. Even the tiniest light. We are cave people. Mm-hmm. We need to sleep in cold environments. We just upgraded our, our uh, we have a, I had it only on my side, the chili pad. I had, it was called, uh, I had the Uller. We just upgraded. There's the box right there uh, to the Doc Pro. And now she has it on her side. So we can keep our, our temperatures slightly different. Women need to be a little warmer than men, right? I, I sleep at like 59 degrees. Wow. And then I have it in, incrementally go up towards late, later in the night when, when we're in REM sleep, we should warm up a little. But we are cave people. We need to sleep in super dark and super cold environments. It doesn't mean you have to freeze and shiver. You cover yourself with your quilt. You cover yourself with your your, your blanket. Um. There's so many things. Our weighted blanket has changed both of our sleeps. Yeah. Waking up with the sun, sleeping with the sun. What time you eat your last meal? How much light do you get in in your eyes after dark? Your brain will continue to make cortisol and, you know, melatonin and cortisol. It's like a, like a teeter totter. One cannot live without the other. You you know all this. I know you do, but your listeners may not. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that's changed. Oh, yes. I know what you're about <laughs> for to say. Me. For me too. So I was a huge, huge snoozer. Oh, that. That too, yeah. I Oh, alarm snooze. Alarm snooze. I would snooze like three times every single morning. And Johnny kept saying, stop snoozing. Just get up. Just get up. Just get up. <laughs> 
And I was like, okay, I'm just going to give this a try. And a couple of weeks ago, I was like, okay, I'm not going to snooze anymore. My alarm went off. I just went straight from my bed to this downstairs room we have into a meditation. From that meditation, I went into a workout and my whole entire day changed drastically for the better, just from one thing of not snoozing anymore. And I actually can fall asleep earlier now. You know, I'm, I get tired earlier when with snoozing, I could stay up later and I don't, I, it makes no sense. It was like only eight minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes, but my body was never like, okay, it's time to wake up, get up now. It was kind of prolonging, prolonging, prolonging. And your energy throughout the day is everything in- changed increased just by not snoozing. <laughs> and there's another game changer and she didn't, she didn't jump on until I don't know how long later, but at first oh. you thought I was crazy mouth taping game Talk changer to us about it well when we especially mouth breathers a lot of people are mouth breathers and i was for sure yeah, if and a good way to see if you're a mouth breather is do you wake up parched are you the person that has a glass of water next to your uh, bedside yeah. because you know you're going to wake up in the middle of the night parched uh do you wake up tired do you wake up like you didn't sleep you must be a mouth breather. So, um, and I used to have a CPAP machine. I, I used to be, I used to have sleep apnea. I used to be on two different blood pressure medications. I'm on, I'm on neither. My doctor took me off. So mouth breathing, uh, you're in fight or flight all night long. Mm. You're not resting. Not only that, you are dehydrating. You are breathing in germs. The nose filters out germs. So when you mouth, when you nose breathe, when you tape your mouth and you breathe through your nose all night long, you're you're in parasympathetic, the nervous system that is related to rest and digest. Mouth breathing is related to sympathetic, which is fight or flight. Oh yeah, you have a, she has a picture. I don't think it's going to show up there. Yes. So we look real sexy when we go to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> to the listeners, Kiki's showing a picture of them um, sleeping with their tape over their mouth at night. I will uh, link it because I think that's on your Instagram now. Yes, it yeah. is. I'll link that. We're, we're into s and <laughs> um, So that's been a big change, a big uh, game changer for both of us. And like I said, Kiki was kind of like, she thought it was crazy until she tried it. And now you won't live without it. No, the first, I would say the first week I was, I felt really claustrophobic. Like, oh my God, I have to be able to, I have to know that I can breathe through my mouth. I have to breathe. So I would fold in the tape a little. So if I had to pull it off, I could pull, pull it off easily. I think maybe three nights in, I pulled it off maybe three nights. And then after that, I wake up in the morning and the tape's still on and it that has changed my sleep so much the dreams that i have the yeah. ability to like dream and remember my dreams has changed just by mm. tape mouth putting tape on my mouth and what you said at first what you your fears about it that's very common most people when i tell them about that they're like i'm gonna suffocate i'm gonna die that's how i feel i'm like it makes me like nervous to think about doing that it was me yeah so it to help you with that is if you want to try it, 
fold in a piece of the tape so you know you can because once you like I don't fold it in anymore it's taped on so now I have to kind of like dig my nail in to pull it <laughs> off but as long as you have that little tab it'll help you because you know okay I can get out of this really quickly if I have to yeah that's nice and then what type of tape do you use uh surgical paper, paper tape. tape so 3m makes a good one it's called uh microspore okay I, you can get it at any drugstore, I just order the box on on Amazon. Convenience. <laughs> uh, I order the box, so I always I know I know I'm not going to ever run out. Um, okay. I'll bring some up to Sequoia. Yeah, please. Do. And my please body do. actually knows, so I don't even have to tape my whole mouth shut anymore. I just tape like the front of my lips, and my mouth will stay closed the whole night. Because have, my body is already aware of like, okay, it's nighttime. I'm going to sleep. Mouth shut. I have to use two because of my beard. <laughs> um, if you if you want to share in the notes, um, uh, James Nestor, the the author of the book Breath, talks about this uh, pretty extensively. And yeah. yeah, he talks about it. And that's where I learned about it. And he did a whole experiment with uh, Anders Olsen, the Swedish, uh, I think he's a doctor, plugging their nose with silicone for 10 days. Uh, their blood pressure went up, sleep apnea, uh, onset diabetes was coming on, lethargy, moody. Um, it goes on and on. Those just 10 days of plugging their nose and breathing only through their mouth at night. And then they flipped it and everything kind of regulated again pretty quickly. But these are two healthy, you know, uh, middle-aged men that breathing through their mouth at night affected them very quickly, negatively. Wow. So there's, you know, yeah, 10 the, days. That's... the opposite side from their, their experiment. They did it at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to say, um, I, I don't know if you would want to do this, but another podcaster that's helped me along the way with sleep is Sean Stevenson. I mm-hmm. love that guy. The Model Health Show. Have you heard? I haven't. No. I love that guy. I love everything that he teaches. Um, and he's like a sleep specialist. He's He's a badass when it comes to sleep. Yeah. You know, another thing that I think since we're talking about the biohacking stuff is movement. Kiki, you're talking about like getting up and, you know, meditating and then getting your, your workout in. And, um, are you all familiar with Katie Bowman's work? No, are you? Yes. She sounds familiar. If you, it rings a bell. So maybe when you start talking about it, it'll resonate. Yeah, so she's a biomechanist. She's actually going to be on the this season of the podcast as well. So listeners, if you haven't already listened to that, that's coming. Um, but she talks a lot about our sedentary culture and how we do everything sitting now. We're and again addicted to comfort, right? It's like we need the most comfortable seat, the most comfortable bed, and the effects that that has on our bodies and our health overall. And I think it's just another, it's another component. And what I want to say to the listeners, especially those who might be here because it's like, you know, you're like interested in the politics and the liberation work. This is liberation work. Mm -hmm. Like health is liberation work. 
Like you can't get free if you you're struggling to get up in the morning, right? It's like if you're struggling with mental health issues, if you're struggling with physical health issues, you know, it's really really hard to prioritize liberation for self, but then damn sure to prioritize collective liberation and justice in general. And so for me, I don't see any difference between this work and the other stuff. You know, it's all part of the same puzzle. Absolutely. I agree. Once they got you, once you can't like move, they got you. A hundred percent. I see it all the time. I work in an office. I, I'm the one who's like, okay, break, I'm walking, lunch, I'm walking, break, I'm walking. But I see people go from their desk to the lunchroom, sitting for eight hours and then getting in their car, sitting to go home, you know? And that movement to me, that walk for me is everything. That's what gets me through my work day without that walk of like, just enjoying the sunlight or the rain. I was walking in the rain the other day and the people and the trees and the birds singing is, gets me where I need to be for the next moment, you know? Yeah. I heard something recently, actually in in several different uh, places I've heard this and I'm guilty. I can't do it. I need to get back on, on my building my strength up again. But they say, if you can't sit down on the ground and get up off the ground without using your hands, you may have like six years left of your life. Less. Less than six years yeah. or up to six years. It's taking away six years. Oh, of your taking life. away six years of your life. So meta, So you're not metabolically healthy if you can't sit up off the ground or sit down without using your hands. Have you heard anything like that? Do you know what I'm talking I have, about? I have heard of this. Like it's one of the most important things, especially if you think about it, like our elders, I have my grandfather, similar to what happened with your grandmother, um, Kiki, like he fell, had, had a bad fall and it, you know, it was, it sped mm-hmm. up. You know, and he was also in his 90s and he was like 92. So my mom, too. Yeah. Yeah. But what happens is like once you can't get up off the ground or your balance, that's why like even in yoga, balance is so important. Mobility is so important. All these pieces are just so important for our overall health, you know, more than. I mean, strength is also important, but more than like going and doing your bicep curls. Right. It's like. What is your full body able to do functionally? Because that's what that's what helps, you know, for longevity. Yeah. yeah. Balance is everything to be and to have that core strength for that balance. Because as we get older, what's the first thing we lose is our equilibrium as you get older. Yeah. So if you're constantly working on balance as you get older and you trip and fall, you're going to have that balance to catch yourself or, you know, fall in a way that's not going to hurt you as much because you've been constantly working with that balance. I straight train every day, almost every day. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for that zombie apocalypse, man. <laughs> <laughs> balance, I'm going. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> We're sitting on the floor right now. Oh, I love. Oh. Yeah. I think you all would really resonate with Katie Bowman's work because she talks a lot about like, how do you bring more movement into the things you already do? So like, for example, right now, I got 
off of my kneeling chair to come stand at my standing decks while we're talking. Cause we've been talking for almost two hours now, you know, before we got on, I was on offer up looking up a standing desk. Yes. I found one for 130 bucks. Yes. Yes. But just like being able to like move. And one of the reasons why I like those kind of um, dynamic chairs is because then it makes me move. It's like, I'm not just sitting with my back being supported and, you know, knees bent. It's like, I'm having to move around, shift my position because all of that adds to your kind of movement bank, um, which is really important. And another piece I do want to say that I'm thinking about too, is like the, um, privilege that we're speaking through right now, you know, like we have, Mm. we live in able bodies and we're Mm. speaking from a perspective of able body. And so I just want to like name that as well for audiences that that might not be the case or we're in, you know, because all of our bodies do different things and they're all beautiful. And we're kind of speaking from a very specific lens right now. Not just the privilege of, of what our physical body could do, but the privilege of having this computer. Yeah. This microphone, the privilege of having my aura ring give me a notification to stand. Yes. Not everyone has, you know, the the ability to own an aura ring or own a computer to do a Zoom call like this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely. I think we can go on and on. (laughs) Yeah, we could. Like we could spend hours talking about. I'm so glad you brought it up. I'm so glad you brought it up. Um, Anything else before I close us out? Other biohacking stuff we're like, we got (laughs) to. I mean, like I said, we can go on and on. I, I, you know. I am admiring all your jarred food. Oh, Oh. yes. (laughs) I'm loving seeing that. I do love that. And it's coming from your garden, right? It is. Well, a lot of it or from the farmer's market. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. I uh, sent her uh, Monica's uh, oh. real food devotee. Yeah. That might be someone you should have on your on your show. She's awesome. Yeah. That'd be she awesome. comes. Uh, she takes our, our class mm-hmm. like every three weeks. She comes to hallowed ground. She's she's cool. She made us a beet kvass. Oh, my God. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. So good. Gosh, I have a thing about beets. Like I'm like not a picky foodie at all, but beets are the one, like one of those one things I have not had them in a way that I'm like, other than juice, like I can drink juiced beets, but I haven't had them cooked in a way that I'm like, oh, I could eat this. What about pickled beets? I don't love. So pickled. I grew up, have you had, so I grew up, my grandmother was Polish My on my mom's side. Um, she used to make beets. She would slice them and put olive oil and vinegar and garlic mm. and refrigerate them. And oh, if you like like vinegary foods, it was so delicious. And eating it with like a piece that. of meat or chicken or even just <laughs> salad, it's delicious. So They're it like- so good for you. They're good for you. Yeah, good for your blood. Have you ever heard of kvass? Have you ever heard of beet kvass? Mm-mm. So it's a fermented drink. It's a fermented, and it's not sweet. Like no. the sugars are all, you know, in the fermentation process, they they eat whatever right. they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's very, um, it's more, um, um, oh my God, what's the word when something's not sweet? It's savory. 
I almost said sultry. It's savory. <laughs> that too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Oh, interesting. It's a really yeah. interesting uh, flavor. I'm planning on growing some beets um, this fall for like juicing and things. And I like to put them sometimes like sneak them in smoothies with berries and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, or even just like to make a beet powder. So I might have to try that. You know, speaking of all of this, um, part of me believes uh, a guy named Paul Saladino. I don't know if you follow him, but he talks about how all of these plants have uh, defense mechanisms that are bad for us. Mm -hmm. And he's like full on meat, 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 and only meat and dairy. Is like, he the carnivore uh, guy? I do, uh, the carnivore, the carnivore MD. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a part of me really believes what he has to say. Like the animals, they've, they have claws and teeth and legs to run away. Plants don't. So they've evolved to, to develop these defense mechanisms. So you could eat the fruit because they make the, the fruit colorful and shiny and they want you to eat the fruit. So you could swallow the seeds and then poop them out. And so it could, you know, grow, right. procreate the plant, but the leaves and the the kale, the like roots. kale is bad for us, which I believe kale is, but it used to be a, a garnish. Now it's anyway. Um, I believe I believe that, but part of me says no. Vegetables are good for you, so it's I'm like on this torn. I'm torn because <laughs> I love vegetables. I love. I think so. The arguments I've heard about this. So I lean more in the like ancestral food space where I'm just like, eat real food. Like that's my interest is like to eat real food. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the pieces that I've heard about this is like, it takes preparation, right? So if I go out and I forage something, oftentimes the things that I forage, I can't just pick up and put in my mouth, right? I got to process it in some way to make it like digestible for my body. And so that's why I don't necessarily agree with the raw, like the raw vegan or the raw diet situation, like the fruits and the vegetable or the specifically the vegetables raw, because I think a lot of stuff needs to be cooked because it deactivates Kill. some of those, right. mm -hmm. those right. defense mechanisms. Right. So I think it's more about preparation rather than just, you know, don't eat the thing. It's like, cause like, for example, with wheat, we should not be eating bread that has not been fermented. Like right. that's how we evolved to eat that plant. That's how we evolved to eat those grains is pre-digestion, right? Yeah. So yeah, we're going to have all these gluten intensities, all these issues with, with wheat and stuff like now, because we refuse to, to prepare it the way that we're like ancestrally known to eat it and evolved no. to eat it, you know? Well, yeah. also speaking of wheat, um, uh they they process it now with steel mills mm -hmm. whereas in the old days it was stone milled so we didn't absorb as much of the gluten and that's exactly why you hear reports of people who are gluten intolerant go to europe on vacation and they're like i ate all the bread and i didn't get sick yeah why do you think yeah. same with dairy like people with that are lact lactose intolerant here in the states they go to europe and they're like i ate cheese like it was there was no tomorrow i didn't get any stomach issues 
because most of the cheese there is either raw or it's, you know, it's like I do raw dairy. I do raw kefir yeah. every morning. It's changed my gut. I've had gut issues for years. I don't really anymore because yeah. I just do that little bit of, of raw kefir, kefir, for those of you who know, don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the stone mill stone milled versus uh, uh, steel milled. It, it turns it super fine, pulverizes. pulverizes it, and our bodies absorb all of that gluten. We're not right. meant to eat that. And of course, pre-digested sourdough is the only real way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like fermentation. We've taken out fermentation a lot in our diets when it's like, okay, this is another reason why we're having all these gut issues because we're like afraid of bitter foods. We're afraid. We don't like the taste of we're, our, our palates have become so like prissy. I then we're love not, bitter. <laughs> you know, like um, bitter is important. It gets the digestive juices going. Like yeah. having a probiotic, like, you know, having fermented food is important. Eating funky foods is important, you know, and we just, we're so far away from that at this point. I mean, me too, because I, I struggle. I'm getting my palate. Do you like, too. do you like kimchi? I do. I love kimchi. Oh man, I can eat that yeah. out of the jar. Just <laughs> It's and so and sauerkraut. Oh. Uh, yeah. Kimchi has sugar in it, though. Not, yeah. Kimchi? Yeah. I, no, not the one that we get. Does the mother-in-law mother also have the kimchi? It does. It doesn't have the fish, doesn't have the shrimp, but I think it has sugar. Martisa? If you make it, it's super yeah. easy to make. Yeah. I was going to say, Martisa, you're going to have to make us some kimchi. I'll make you some kimchi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm growing... I'm growing purple uh purple napa cabbage in my Ooh, garden in the fall so yum. I'm excited to see what like yeah a, a kimchi out of that would look like I think I'm gonna make rapini for our trip oh that's perfect since you mentioned bitter if we could find them if they're yeah. gonna be in season have you ever had rapini mm -mm. broccoli rob oh yeah uh-huh there's a, a Neapolitan way Italian way the way my mom taught me mm. just it's so good it is so uh, good please 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 please. but you oh, gotta eat it with a piece of bread <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah maybe i'll make some bread for our trip i'll make a couple loaves of sourdough you have a mother i do yeah mm. yeah i make sourdough all the time like it's one of my choices that's cool, that's cool. Yeah. yeah very um so my last question is what's lighting you up right now? What's lighting me up? I think just life is lighting me up every day. Having the ability to wake up and know that there's a new day in front of me ready to unfold. I looked online on our chances of being born and it was like 400,000 trillion to one. And with that knowledge, I know every day is a beautiful gift of life. And walking out with love and light and energy into my day and just projecting that out there lights me up. Yeah, that's so, so good. It's like sometimes we just need to like zoom out a little bit to see our lives and see the context under which we get this life that can, can create some perspective for sure. Definitely my family lights me up. My children light me up. Music lights me up. You know, having a fantastic soulmate partner lights up my soul every single day. Mm. 
Uh, this conversation lights me up. Um, all of these new relationships, these new connections I'm making in this world that we're in is lighting me up. Just where I'm at in life, the journey I'm on right now is definitely lighting me up. And that includes, you know, the way I eat, the way I sleep, the way I, I do mindset work and, and just, you know, shadow work. Obviously, Kiki said it, she lights me up. What we have lights me up. Um, our daughters, our family. And you know what else lights me up? The fucked up state of the world right now. Mm. And I say that because it's it's what kind of brought me to where I am. Like, I, I hate to say this or no, I don't. I'm sorry. I, I take that back. I don't hate to say this, but I know this bothers a lot of people. This whole lockdown, this whole shit we've been through in the last few years has been nothing but positive for me. Yeah. It has um, shown me what's really important. Before it, I was on that hamster wheel like everyone else, going nowhere. So it sh sh shone, shone, shined <laughs> a light. It put a spotlight on what mattered and what didn't matter. And it didn't take me out like it did a lot of other people. It did the quite the opposite. Yeah. I'd say the first two weeks I was in fear, maybe even less, a week and a half. And then I said, wait, no, no, I'm not going to let you do this. I remember the first thoughts that came to my mind were, wait a minute, I've, I've, I've made all these changes, this biohacking, all of these podcasts, all of this, I've lost the weight. I'm like, I'm, I'm on this trajectory and now you're like, you're completely taking it away from me. And when I say you, I meant the powers that be. And I realized, no, wait, they're not doing nothing. <laughs> you are in charge, right? Um, there's a great quote that I love, and it's a it's it's a um, it's a stoic quote. And now I'm gonna like try to move as fast as I can to find it. <laughs> you are distressed by anything external. The pain is not due to the thing itself, but to your estimate of it. And this, you have the power to revoke at any moment. Marcus Aurelius. You know, and there's tons of quotes. Like the guy that was in the, uh, uh, what is it, Frankel? Victor Frankel has another mm -hmm. great quote about, you know, he was stuck in the concentration camp. It's all what you make of it. So back to the question. What lights me up? Getting uncomfortable lights me up. I love that. Thank you both so much. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. It's such been such a pleasure. 
It's been a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much. It was, I truly enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you. Me too. Hmm. What did you think, dear ones? I love, love, love being able to talk to the amazing guests that I get to have on this podcast. And I love being able to share with you. So please, if you are not already, follow us on Instagram at Let's Get Naked and keep the conversation going. We'd love to know what your thoughts, your feelings, your responses are to this podcast. So please keep this conversation going. Please share the conversation so that we can get into more ears and spread the gospel of liberation further and deeper. And then also just subscribe to this podcast so that you can, one, support us and keep doing this work and getting us again to more ears. And then also so that you'll always know when our episodes come out. And with that, I will leave you until next time, my love. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Much love to you.